Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 814. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA preview for the weekend coming on up. Uh, lots of action coming your way from the UFC as Austin, Texas is the destination. Very jealous if you are going to be in attendance uh, for mm. this, this weekend because the card itself looks absolutely tremendous. Before we get stuck into it, uh, fightdisciples.com is our website. If you want to get stuck in and get yourself an audio feed, make sure you subscribe to us. Come on, keep coming back time after time. If you're already a subscriber, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, like, share the channel, tell all your pals about it, and you can watch us in vision. Um on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. We don't just do this podcast, by the way, as well. Yeah, we go out and about and we do uh, little bits and bats with various fighters. We've got a, a, a special with Tom Aspinall and his dad, Andy Aspinall, which is currently uh, on our channel where we went down the pub to celebrate, obviously, him becoming the uh, UFC interim heavyweight champion. And you may have seen this week, I know this is not Ooh. UFC, um, I caught up with Nate the Great Kelly. Uh, yesterday, young lad, 19 years of age, for people that don't know too much about Nate, he's the kid eight years ago at the McGregor Aldo press conference in Dublin yeah, uh, that took to the microphone and asked Dana for an advance on his paycheck and said that one day, Dana, you're going to be strapping that uh, gold around my waist. And obviously it sent the, uh, the press conference into absolute raptures. Now, for those that don't know too much about Nate Kelly, uh, he has since that time, 10 years of age, 11 years of age, gone on to be multiple time, uh, kickboxing champion in his age categories and his weight categories. He's obviously a multiple-time jiu-jitsu champion as well. And now he's getting the opportunity with the PFL. And this is the beautiful thing about the PFL, uh, is that they're obviously building themselves. We've been speaking about the uh, Bellator buyout and we've been speaking about the European Challenger Series where they've been searching for that talent coming through and putting them into professional bouts. Nate's actually taking part in an amateur bout, but it's on a professional card. Yeah. So he is getting the opportunity to go and showcase his talents in Dublin at the Three Arena next Friday, December the 8th. So if you've got a ticket, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. The whole card looks absolutely awesome in itself. But then you've got this young lad uh, getting the opportunity as well to do I thought his he'd team. had some pro fights now. I thought he was... No, he's uh, he's not turned pro yet, isn't he? He's, uh, he's uh, still competing as amateur. Different rule set, but he's looking to be doing it over the next... Listen... PFL have invested, he's getting a showcase, and then they'll get his pro debut, no doubt, uh, within the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, like I said, he's 19 years of age. Fascinating character, wonderful talker. Go and have a watch. It's 20 minutes, sat down, 
chatting to this kid of how he navigated school and went around the world and won all these tournaments. And now he finds himself with the PFL. Uh, congratulations to the PFL as well for investing in him and giving him that opportunity. We like to see uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all good thing. Island, baby. It's on fire at the moment, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, it with, is. Uh, when did Ian Gary become target number one by every single welterweight on the planet? It's like, mate, I get it. He makes every day. Noise. Every day. He gets a lot do. of press, you know, and he's got his own channel. And he's and he funds his own channel, and he has a full time biographer posting social media stuff, and you know everything else. And it's a proper little family unit they've got going on there. They're building this little team around him, and he's screaming from the high heavens. But it just seems like people have had enough. Everybody else in the welterweight division seemingly had enough, and everyone's coming for him with both battles at the moment. Jesus Christ! Every time I go on social media, it's first thing I see Ian Gary is trending, and I'm like, again, day four, again, Jesus. I get. Mental. Listen, if when when people say stuff about you and people <laughs> come for, and come for you, you kind of have that. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have that instinct to want to defend yourself, don't you? You want you want to obviously try and relay the truth or give your side of the story, but sometimes, sometimes it's maybe better to just go. Do you know something? Let them crack on. Yeah. Let them crack on. The I'll just take a step back, and that noise will die down. You got. On the since that you've started on the Ian Gary thing, uh, regarding Ian Gary, he's got a massive, massive, massive fight coming up against Vicente Luque uh, at UFC 296. We're a couple of weeks away, aren't we? Yeah, from that fight. This maybe it is, maybe he's a, just a completely different animal and he operates differently. This can't be good for someone's mental state, man. This noise can't be good. Your head just being constantly infiltrated with. All this, like, we're not we're not talking fight stuff, are we? We're not we're talking personal stuff. People are talking about his missus. People are talking about his life. People are talking about, you know, his his, his personal things that go on in his personal life. They're not talking about him as a fighter and giving him shit that way to an extent. They're, they're talking about personal stuff that would piss me right off, man. That'd bug me. Yeah, I think there's um, I don't, with Ian though. Don't forget though, when he first came into the UFC. And he and he split with his team, and he you know and he and he and he went into that last cage warriors fight, and he didn't have a team with him and all this stuff, and then you know he, he balls into the UFC on the back of winning another cage warriors title, and he's like, yeah, I haven't got a team, I haven't got nothing, and I don't need anybody. He might just be the type of fighter that revels with the madness, revels in the chaos. chaos. Yeah, and this might be this. You know, it's all good and well saying his response to a lot of the social media is throwing fuel on the fire and making it worse. Not just his. Maybe he loves it. Yeah. Maybe maybe the team love it. Maybe they love the chaos. Maybe their maybe their mantra is no no social media publicity is bad publicity. Everybody's talking about us. Everybody's calling them out now. He's on he's the first name on every welterweight's lips. And everybody's taking a shot because it seemingly is low hanging fruit. But if you're Ian Gary and you're on your fifth day of trending on Twitter, is that not job done? Are you not the most talked about guy? I guarantee, listen, I guarantee this. When the 296, it is 296, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> when the 296 press conference happens in Las Vegas on fight week, I fucking guarantee Ian Gary's on the top table. I guarantee it. Because it's one of the big talking points getting in. Aside from the fact he's got the, again, the, 
the, the fallout with Leon Edwards and the team renegade thing. That's a conversation. Now there's a conversation over here. Now there's a conversation over there. Now we're hearing people coming out of the Kill Cliff saying, well, the reason he's not a Kill Cliff is actually someone sparked him. Someone this happened. This is what happened. And it's like all these sparring stories coming out now. Shit, that should be left in the gym. All these other stories are coming out. But if you're Ian Gary or team Ian Gary at the center of all this noise, Maybe it's like being at the center of a of a of a cyclone. In the middle, you're calm as anything. As long as you're doing your training, let the mentalness go on around you. As long as you're putting that work in, as long as you turn up at 100% on fight night, all this craziness will only enhance you and enhance your reputation, and enhance your position on the card, enhance long-term money, opportunities, everything else. Yes, a lot of things that are being said, being being pointed towards, being alleged aren't nice. But if you're not actually listening to the mentalness, if you're just serene in the center of it, I don't know, man. Maybe that's who the kid is. Yeah. He is a unique individual, is Ian, isn't he? Um, that, that's why I said it. That's why I said it. Until you've spent time with Ian, you're like, okay, you're not, you're perhaps not built the same as a lot of people. Yeah. Emotionally. He, well, he isn't. He isn't. Yeah. He absolutely isn't. Like you, you, you spend any time in his company, you can fully un- you you get a, an understanding and an appreciation that he's a, he's a unique athlete and a unique individual, and that's why he's doing the gig that he's doing. That's how he. That's why he operates the way that he operates. And I suppose people will always look at this situation that's currently going on and probably put themselves in those shoes and go, "How exactly. would I operate? How would I operate in that time?" Exactly. My, my head would be all over the fucking place. And I'm sure that there's plenty of other people out there, plenty of other fighters. That's probably why they're having to do it. That's probably why they're having a bit of a go because they're thinking, fucking hell, mate, I could get stuck in here. This is a free hit. Yeah. But as you've just said, he sat there going, and? Exactly. Exactly. That, that that's, that's my take on it. I'm kind of removing myself. It's not me. It's not maybe a large proportion of the population. It's Ian Gary. How does Ian Gary respond to this situation? Well, your natural reaction would be, well, he can't be happy about it. Well, if he wasn't happy about it, he wouldn't keep pouring fuel on top of the fire. He wouldn't keep prodding the bears. He wouldn't keep going, go on, keep going, boys. And as I say, four consecutive days trending on social media. Bear in mind what team Ian Gary are looking to do. They're trying to build a brand. They're trying to build something around Ian Gary that's bigger than a fight than a single gym that's mm. been done a single performance or whatever they're trying to build something around them and they see social media quite evidently because they've employed a team to work on social media specifically for them they see social media as the sphere in which we dominate over there everything else comes with it and that's well, he's right smart he's right smart. he's 100 right yeah. the reason why ryan garcia and tank did the biggest pay-per-view numbers this year in boxing because they've got some of the biggest social media followings so I get it. And it hasn't always got to be positive. A follower's a follower. A quote's a quote. A retweet's a retweet. Whether it's positive or negative. If your mind can think of it like that, if it's not personal, if it's always business, are they not are they not clocking the game? Yeah. Would you be surprised? <laughs> would you be surprised if he got a title shot off the back of beating Luke? I wouldn't be surprised. I think poor old Benil Dariush would, would be fucking absolutely devastated. Well, Benil got beat off um, uh, not Charles Oliveira. 
I don't, I don't mean Benil, do I? Who do, who do I mean? Bilal Mohamed, you mean? Bilal, Bilal. sorry. Bilal. Apologies, yeah. But I've got Benil in mind because he's fighting this weekend. Yeah. Bilal, of course. I think Bilal would be absolutely distraught if you were to give him that opportunity. Bilal, with all due respect, is almost like the Jickers Duplessis from the middleweight division. Come on, man. How many times, how many people has he got to beat before he gets this opportunity? Hmm. But... Shit the UFC is all about selling. The UFC yeah. is all about selling. And if they are going to come back to, to London or to the UK or to Birmingham or to Manchester or wherever in 2024 and they need the main event, why would you do Leon versus Bilal when you could do Leon versus Ian Gary and get all them Irish fans over as well? So you're right. I think there's a real, there's a real opportunity here for Ian Gary to ride this wave of social media noise into the fight with Luke get a statement victory and call for his opportunity and the UFC will be listening. Whether it comes next, I don't know, but he could call for that opportunity because let's, let's be honest, he, he's got to try and leapfrog the guys that are in front of him, the Shavkats and the, the Balals and people like that. He's going to do something, but he's made the noise now. He's made the personal with Leon. He's got Leon Edwards biting back in interviews going, fucking hell, have I got to talk about Ian Gary again? Why? Well, I'll tell you why, because there's a narrative being creative. And that's how you sell fights. Honestly, the the Ian Gary situation's interesting, man. It's interesting. The whole thing is there's a plan in place there. They know what they're doing. They've wrote a script and they're following that script. You may not like what's happening, the chapters and the verse, but they're going in that direction. Interesting. Hmm. I wouldn't like it personally. No, same. Listen, man, it's a, it's it's a, it's an interesting game to play, isn't it? But like you say, we're we're in a fortunate position where we know Ian and obviously his missus and extended team members and stuff like that. The clever cats, not daft. They are they they know they know the game. They know what they're doing. They believe in the lad's talent. I believe in the lad's talent. I think he's fucking super, super, super talented, mate. He is going right to the very, very top and he will challenge for a yeah. title. There's no doubt about that. It's just how you get there and how you navigate it maybe quicker than others. I mean, there's guys ahead of him right now. Shavkat, no doubt about that. If Shavkat can come through a wonder boy, a former world title challenger, then all of a sudden the noise is for Shavkat, isn't it? You've got Bilal, as you've just mentioned there. The dude's on a fucking 600 fight win streak and he still can't get his uh, get his crack. He's he's yeah. ahead of him. Yeah. Um, you know, you you could probably even say, even say, even though he's lost twice, maybe Kamaru's still ahead of him if he wants to be a one at one one seventy, right? So how do you create the noise, create the narrative? Now I'm not I'm not saying it's you know conceited and that it's all absolutely verbatim planned out to this extent, but it's a case of oh hang on a minute, we can run with this. We could we yeah. could we could we could do something here in order to then put this on a on a place where fight fans if they want to see you win great if they want to see you get knocked out great they still want to see you exactly that's what they want to see exactly so how do we get that opportunity um, when you look at when you look at where where Ian is now so he's currently ranked 10th in the welterweight hmm. division he's oh, Vincente. Vincente is 8th okay so there's an opportunity there to jump up a level. Sean Brady is the guy between them. Sean Brady fights this weekend against yeah. Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah. Kelvin Gastelum, a former middleweight title contender, <clears throat> former tough winner. Who knows if Sean Brady makes a statement, the people who do these rankings may well bump Sean Brady above Vincente Luque. 
Then you've got Jeff Neal, Wonderboy, Shavkat, Gilbert Burns, former teammate, Colby Covington, who's getting the next shot, Malal, Kamaru. I think Kamaru's done at welterweight, but, you know, not for sure. And then Leon at the top of the tree. They're the rankings as they stand right now, as of they stand this week. So for Ian to get there, you would suppose that anybody else who's ranked number 10 in the world, you're looking at two, maybe even three wins to get your title shot. There's only one belt in the UFC, remember. Mm. Maybe he's got to be at least two of the guys above him to get there. Unless you can create a narrative with the guy with the belt. Unless you can create a storyline with the guy with a belt where the UFC go, you know what? Let's jump this guy to the top of the list, man. This is the, this will sell. This will do well, <laughs> ticket-wise, everything yeah. else. And that's what he's doing. That press He's also along the way making storylines with fucking everybody else on the list. Yeah, but that press conference is massive. It's all well-being, you know, well-thought-out, well-planned, well-scripted. Okay, right, such and such, your body said this online. How do we respond to it? And then coming up with a clever way of going about doing it. Now you've got to fly by the seat of your pants a little bit. 296, top table. Colby Covington's a fucking unhinged machine gun, man. Yeah. He's going to come. Yeah. You know? You've got other people on that top table that are going to say some shit. How do you respond to it? You've got to deal with it in a clever way. You've got to come across charming. Don't fucking lose your head. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to go McGregor, man. That's what you've got to do. You've got to fucking hit the one-liners. That's what you've got to do. Consistently hit the one-liners and come out of it with people going, fucking hell, he's actually a funny fucker. I like it, man. He's owned it. The, the, The point is, you've got all this going on. Fight week, you're going to have all that going on. Everyone on the top table gunning for you. Meanwhile, Vincente is just sitting there working. Vincente is just putting the work in. Vincente, Luque, let's not look past the fact. With a team, fight. with a team that know you inside out. You've been inside on that map, and out. Inside and out, because it's your old team. So it's a, it's a really dangerous game to play, as you say. I understand why they're doing it. I yeah, totally get it. why they're doing it. It's, it's a short game, isn't it? I mean, Colby went What's full heel. Colby was getting booted out of the UFC, man, and he went full heel in Brazil. And look where Colby's at now. We're talking about a dude, right, who was, as it stands right now in those welterweight rankings, if you look all the way down those rankings, the top 14 fighters in that division have all got at least one win over one of the other ranked guys. Yeah. All of them, bar one. And that bar one is Colby Covington. And Colby Covington is fighting for the title next. Now, listen, I'll take a step back because Colby has beaten some elite guys that are no longer in the UFC or no longer ranked or have moved weight divisions. Completely get that. But as it stands right now in the active weight division, in the active rankings, he hasn't got a win over any ranked welterweight. But yet he still fights for the title next. Why? Because sometimes what you say is more important than what you do. And Colby Covington is the king of what you say, getting you into a position that he's got himself into. This is his third world title shot, for fuck's sake. He's lost the previous two. So, again, people can judge all they want about where Ian Gary's at and his life. And, uh, all right, that life might not be for you. You might think to yourself, fucking hell, this is a bit batshit crazy. Maybe it is for you, for him. Maybe it's absolutely, one, what he needs. And two, look at the way that he's dealing with it. And we'll, we'll judge this in 12 months' time when yeah. he, he could be fighting for a world title. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, we went off on, on tangent there, didn't we? Talking about Ian Gary. He's yeah, not even fighting. To... He's not even we fighting this weekend. He's not. Oh, we, we we've got to... sucked in. We've even got sucked into it. <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point because it's the biggest talking point in the sport right now. Everyone's into it. So, yeah. But listen, we got some good fights this weekend. And rotten Sean Brady, who is ranked above Ian Gary presently, again, yeah. he's fighting Kelvin Gastelum on this main card. It's about the lightweights, though. It's about Vanille Dariush and Armin Sarukian. Fantastic main event heading over to Texas. Mm. The co-main event is a replacement, but in typical UFC fashion. Is it an even better replacement? Bobby Green was due to fight Dan Hooker. Dan mm. Hooker's broke his arm. He's gone into surgery. In steps Jalen Turner, late notice, who's ranked even higher than Dan Hooker. Sensational stuff. And we've got little uh, Figueredo making his bantamweight debut against Rob Font as well, which is a fucking massive fight. Right. Right. You're going to hate me for this now. Main event, right? Yeah. I've I've got this feeling now. And I hope I'm wrong because I like him. I've just got this weird feeling that Darius is going to go on one of these Tony Ferguson runs now. Yeah. He's ju- he's been awesome. He's got himself to an opportunity. Everybody's like, well, Darius has got to fight for a title. He's the guy. He's been beating this dude. He's been beating that dude. So well-rounded, such a fant- fantastic fighter. Runs into Charles Oliveira. Charles yeah. Oliveira, who is awesome in himself, stops him. Made stops him. him emphatically. Right, done. This is his first one back. And the first one back is against Armin Sarukian. Sarukian on debut for Islam Makachev came up short. He's only lost in the UFC since that is against Gamrot. And that was a tight as fuck fight. Could have gone either way, mate. The dude's absolutely the business. He's in that pot of people, which we always say there's a new generation of these lightweights coming through. Stay out the way of them. And Armin Sarukian is absolutely... Uh, in that conversation, I've just got a feeling. I've got a feeling this weekend that Sarukian is going to be able to get the opportunity to make a statement. And I feel for Darius. I do. I might be wrong, man. I might be completely wrong. And I hope I am that he can, you know, still show that he's he's at the level that we, we've come accustomed to seeing Darius. But I've seen it time and time and time again. Guys go on these big runs. They hit a roadblock. And then they just can't get it back. Like the same again. And they, and they run into these killers that are coming through that are hungry as fuck. And Sarukian's hungry, man. He's ready. This is uh, this is a huge fight for uh, well both guys, but in particular Darius at the weekend. Yeah, I think with Sarukian as well. He's again we talk about narratives. He has got that narrative of losing to the champion on his UFC debut, um, and that was a close fight as well. He, he, he it was a great fight. The, the the common denominator here, of course, is Mateus Gamrot. Yeah. And Gamrot beats be Sarukian, albeit yeah. a fight of the night, albeit a split decision, albeit a brilliant fight. <coughs> and Benil beats Gamrot. Um, are you doing MMA oh, maths? You are, so right? MMA you? maths would suggest <laughs> that if Darish can beat, Darius can beat Gamrot, then Darius can beat Sarukian because Gamrot beats Sarukian. But I'm a little bit like you. You know, I'm starting to feel now as the opportunity missed for Benil Dariush, 34 years of age. He's not getting any sharper. That was a conclusive first-round defeat against Charlie Olives. Um, and they're tough to come back from. And it'll it'll be the measure of the man if he's able to bounce back against Armin Sarukian, who I believe is, you know, a serious, serious threat to the champion. You know, he's only 27 years of age to Sarukian. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of big wins on his record. Those two losses, again, 
I think their punctuations on route to a championship campaign at some stage in his career. That's how much I like Armand Sarikian. I think getting Darius now is exactly the right time. I think his wrestling might be a little bit too strong for Darius, where Darius doesn't mind being taken down because of his high-level jiu-jitsu, mm. but Sarukian's an evil little bastard with his ground and pounds. He drops heavy elbows, heavy punches, and I think that's where Darius will get in trouble. I think taking Darius down isn't going to be a problem, and when you get there, it's not a jiu-jitsu match. It's a, it's a, it's a full ground and pound exchange, so... Yeah, I'm like you, man. I'm, I'm edging towards Sarukian for this one, even though it'd be heartbreaking for Darius to go on that incredible run, lose to the former champion, and then just completely fall away. But this is MMA, man, and time waits for no man. And I just wonder whether Benil's t- t- time has now just gone. We find out Saturday night uh, in uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, Coleman, as you said, uh, Dan Oka broke his arm again. Same arm that he... Uh, he actually bust up against uh, Jalen Turner, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Jalen Turner has <laughs> now jumped in going, ah, Sam, I'll take that opportunity. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, against uh, Bobby Green. Bobby Green absolutely smashed through uh, uh, Dutch Chad Dawson. Uh, Grant Dawson. I've got to call him Chad there. Uh, in October, when everybody thought, right, Bobby Green's been fed to Dawson. Dawson's now going to come through and he's going to be the next guy in the division. Well, Bobby Green, we're having none of it. Wallet, wallet, wallet. It's him uh, standing square on, just proving just how much power uh, Bobby Green has got and got the uh, a phenomenal finish uh, yeah. in that fight. Turner obviously has lost his last two <clears throat> uh, against to elite level opposition in Hooker and Gamrock. We were lucky to be uh, a cage side for uh, the Hooker fight. And my word, man, what a fight that was. Jalen won the first and Dan Hooker were having none of it. We had broken arm, came through uh, and uh, and managed to pinch it 2-1 uh, and get the victory. It's a big fight, this, for Jalen Turner, because there was a lot of hype about him, wasn't there? He's the guy, going to come yeah. through. He's going to be a problem for everybody. Um, well, he's got, an op- he's got a quick turnaround opposition here. Last minute replacement for him to step in and to take Bobby Green, who's on a little, you know. It's on a tear. He's on a little bit of a pop at the moment, is Bobby mm-hmm. Green. This would be a massive, massive win uh, for Jalen Turner if he can pull it off. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think the Jalen Turner missing weight against Dan Hooker last time out um, doesn't point to a happy week for him. I think coming in at late notice for Dan Hooker when you're as big as Jalen Turner, having to make £156 on Friday morning, Mate, I would suggest that, that Jalen Turner's first fight is with them scales because he's a fucking big old boy. Um, and that is my big concern. If he makes 156 on Friday, he's he's put an awful lot of work in just to get to this fight. I believe I wouldn't be surprised if he missed, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but for Bobby Green, he's a badass man. And, and when you're in the form Bobby Green's in, when you're beating up people in the manner in which he is, Tony Ferguson, Grant Dawson, back-to-back, big performances. Bring it on. Bring on anybody. I think if he's fit, if he's strong, if he makes the weight safely, Jalen Turner's a serious problem for Bobby Green just because Bobby likes to stand and duke it out. And I think Jalen Turner's got the reach on him, big style, like he has on everybody. If Jalen can get those teeth kicks going and get that jab going and keep moving, I think he can frustrate Bobby Green and eventually maybe take him down and, and maybe even submit him. But Bobby, as you say, form is everything. And Bobby Green is flying right now. He feels like he's in that indestructible stage of his career. It's almost like an Indian summer. And 
you know, I think the winner of this is in a very strong position to potentially face Paddy the Baddy if he comes through against Tony Ferguson in a few weeks' time. I think it's a big fight for in 2024 for the winner who comes through. So I think there's a lot on the line in this fight. Again, I, I can't re really pick who's going to win until I see Jalen Taylor make weight on Friday. I think that, for me, is the crux of the matter. If he rocks on them scales, 155.5, and he's got a big smile on his face, I think he spatters Bobby Green. I think he plays with him, toys with him, and uses that reach advantage. If he stumbles off the scales, 157, and has to give up 20% of his pace, lump on Bobby Green, baby. I love the way that you went. Yeah, big fight for Paddy the Baddy. He's going to come through Tony, man. I completely agree. Oh, mate, we'll do that. We'll do that conversation in two weeks' time. I know what you're saying, mm. but you know you've got to look at these things. Uh, really fascinated by Rob Font taking on Davidson Figueredo, as you just pointed out a minute or two ago. Davidson Figueredo's uh, bantamweight debut, first one uh, since uh, January when it was part 65 with uh, Brendan yeah. uh, Moreno. He was stopped there with the doctor stoppage, wasn't he, in, the, in that particular fight. Uh, Fonts lost three of his last four. All elite guys, don't get me wrong. Sandegan, yeah. Vera, uh, Aldo. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really, really good matchmaking. For a guy that's uh, gone 35 now in uh, in Figueredo, uh, stepping up in weight, obviously that's a good thing because you don't want him uh, chopping too much. Uh, but stepping up in weight at this stage of his career, you want to put him in with... Um, that opponent that could absolutely cause him damage, but someone that isn't on a you're not you don't want to feed him to the wolves. You want you want to see where the 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 the, 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 uh, the playground is at, and I think this is a level playing field. I really do. I think Font versus Figueroa is a great piece piece of matchmaking. Font could put him out. I don't think he will. Uh, if Figueroa is anywhere near what we have seen in the last two years in the weight division below. Uh, I think he could navigate this. I don't. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, mate, because I don't. There's so many questions that I don't know the answers to regarding where Davison Figueredo's at. I kind of know where Rob Font's at, but I don't know where Davison Figueredo's at. If he's any, if if he looks a fresher, bigger, just as quick version as what we saw uh, as champion in the weight division below, this could be a really interesting addition to bantamweight. Yeah, I think this is a, a sensational bit of matchmaking, to be honest with you. Um, because, as you say, Rob Font has lost three of his last four. But he's still ranked number eight in the world. And that, more than anything, is testament to the people he's losing against. He's losing against top five guys, which is why he's still ranked in the top ten. And if Davidson Figueredo is going to do anything at bantamweight, it's no good, you know, fucking dealing with him with kid gloves. This guy's the former champion from the flyweight division. Give him a proper fight. Rob Font's a proper fight. Rob Font started his career at lightweight. Then went down to featherweight. Now he's down at bantamweight. He's a fucking big dude. He's about 5'7", five, 5'8", seven, five, 72-inch reach. There was some figure eight. That was 5'5", five, five with a fucking 68-inch reach. So you're going to see a massive size difference, but it's this is what the UFC do. Yes, Davison, of course, we'll give you another fight. You say you want to go to bantamweight, we're going to give you a top 10-ranked bantamweight. In fact, we're going to give you a top 10-ranked bantamweight. That's lost the last couple of fights. That's how much we think of you, Davison. But then, when you go, but it's Rob Font, and he gets like a truck, and he's fucking massive for the weight division, and he's only losing big main event five rounders against the top three, the guys ranked top three, four in the world. There's two ways to look at this. I think it's a massive, massive 
step uh, test for Davison Figueredo in this mm. weight division. It's a great opportunity for Rob Font to get a champion as a resume. It's a fantastic opportunity for Davison to jump into the top 10 with one fight. Perfect matchmaking. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. <coughs> so many questions about Figueredo. I love him. I think he's an, yeah, he, he absolutely brit. He, he, he pumped new life. Obviously, Segura did it first, but then he pumped new life, didn't he, into that flyweight division. And yeah. we all got extremely excited with what he was doing because he was But he started savage. to look dead at the weight, didn't he? He started yeah. to look a bit dead at the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that we had that wonderful quadrilogy with uh, with Moreno. I like that we've got a little bit of new life. You know that I keep banging on about that start, about people that hit 35 years of age in these, um, in these lower weight categories. So he's going to have to define a... a Defy a little bit of logic if he's going to go on to challenge the at the very top table of the bantamweight division. But it starts here with Rob Font. Rob Font's yeah. no mug. I would not be surprised if Rob Font beat him. I would not be surprised if Davison Figueredo stopped Rob Font. I really wouldn't. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, now, Sean Brady, what are you all about, son? What are you all about? Uh, because last time we were there, we saw Bilal Mohammed with his hands. Nobody expected that. Yeah, Bilal Mohamed, who was training with Habib Nurmagomedov's team, Eagle MMA. He came out, nah, fuck wrestling. I'm just going to batter you. And he did. He put it on Sean Brady uh, in their fight in uh, in Abu Dhabi. And he got a phenomenal win. We've not seen Brady since. He's been away. He's been grafting. He's been grinding away, doing his thing. Uh, I know that he's had fights booked uh, with Michel Pereira. He had one booked with JDM as well, um, Della Madalena, uh, which yeah. also fell yeah. off. Uh, but we find ourselves here now with Kelvin Gastelum. And Kelvin Gastelum is in a really interesting uh, situation. He had a fight earlier this year with Chris Curtis. He came through that. He was booked with Shavkat. Oh, got slapped now. Can't do that. I can't be fighting Shavkat. So he's not fighting Shavkat. Uh, but he is. There's never a time to get staff. That was <laughs> the time. That, that's the time. <laughs> uh, he's two and five in his last seven, is Kelvin. Um, what? Go on. Bit like Rob Font. Look who the five are. That's fair. All top-ranked middleweights, yeah. including the former middleweight champion, yeah. including the likes of Robert Whittaker, including that warrior I've had until. You know, he's, he's lost of five on a spin, I think it was, or four and one or whatever that one was. Yeah. But they were against the best middleweights on the planet at the time. Now he's moving down to welterweight, which for me should have been Kelvin Gaston's weight division his entire career. Yeah. But then when you look at middleweight and the wins he's had there, over the likes of Bispin and people like that. Solid, solid wins. Mate, you ain't life and death. We easy. <laughs> of course he did. So him down at welterweight. It, for me, it's just about what Kelvin Gaslam got left. It's the biggest fight of Sean Brady's career. He's never fought anybody of this caliber before. And the dude's coming down from middleweight. So Sean Brady's absolutely up against it in this fight. If Kelvin Gastelum has still got some of that fire left in him, side him. I think Kelvin should have spent his career at welterweight. I think he mm. might have even had a, a welterweight title championship campaign at some stage. He's always been an overweight welterweight competing at middleweight. But when you've been as successful as he has, at the level he has, who the fuck am I to argue? But if he hasn't left it too late, it could be a rare, he could he could do a number on Sean Brady and make a statement from day one. Yeah. Good fight, that. Um, what else is t tickling your bollocks in Texas? Uh, I'm really interested in the Misha Tate-Julia Avia fight, which is the, the main event on the prelims. Where's Misha at, man? Where's she at? Last couple of times I've watched her, she's looked <clears> a shadow of herself. So after Misha left the sport and went and became a mother 
and started a family and everything else. And then she came back to the UFC. She started a just... media career. She was, do she was doing what we do, man. She was away. She was doing wicked. But she couldn't give it up. She wanted to come back. She wanted to continue fighting. And so we see her here again, getting back inside the cage, getting back inside that octagon. But it's just, it's not the same Misha Tate. Or has the game moved on? Well, that's what I mean. You know, it, it, the Misha Tate that was competing with Ronda Rousey and Holly Harmon at the top of the sport and the former bantamweight champion, the sport has moved on so much since then, and so has she. She's become a mother now. She's got different priorities in her life. That's not to say she's not putting the hours in in the gym, and it's not to say she hasn't got the talent. But you're telling me a mum who drives a fucking soccer bus to the school run twice a day soccer is, bus. Look at is as committed to the gym as a 20-something with no responsibilities, with no priorities, except getting that gym putting in that work. Of course she isn't. And the sport maybe has caught up and overtaken her. But kind of weirdly, Julia Vila came into the sport, looked incredible, had a good run in the UFC. I think she went 3-1 in the UFC. She looked like she was going to be, you know, really make moves in this division. She had some good wins in there. And then she disappeared for two years. We didn't see her for two years. Why? She's done exactly the same Misha did. She went away, started a family. She had a couple of babies. She's, you know, set up a family life. Now the kids are settled, everything else. She's come back to the sport. But again, she's going to suffer from the same things that Misha is currently suffering from as well. She can't put that commitment in like she once did. The sport may have moved on. That's why it's such an interesting fight for me. Julia Villa, had she not had that break, she goes into this fight as a massive favourite. But... This literally is a battle of the soccer moms, the soccer boss moms. <laughs> uh, Veronica's on this card as well, isn't she? Yes, Veronica Hardy, of course. Listen, yeah, yeah. Massive, brilliant mass last time. Mate, massive developments, massive developments. Obviously, she's had a bit of a bumpy time and what have you uh, in a UFC tenure, but the last time out, massive developments. And we've spoken to Dan about this. And Dan has said she's never had a proper camp. She's never had proper training. She's never had, you know, full-time, all-in-the-game vibe. Now she does. And you're starting to see her put things together. Well, yeah, we did. All right. Yeah. The eye test don't lie, man. We did see her put things together. And she looked tremendous uh, in London. Um, Showtime now. Got a, you're back on another big card uh, in Austin, Texas. Yeah, okay. You're kicking it off. Again, but so what? She kicked it off in London and she was yeah. brilliant. But keep doing the thing, man. If this is going to go under the radar, if this is going to be low-key, and then all of a sudden, whoa, Veronica Hardy is a ranked fighter and starting to challenge, so be it. There's definitely, definitely uh, big um, excitement regarding the development factor uh, of what we saw from previous fights to what we, what we got in London. And I hope that we're going to get even more. Uh, this time around, she's a top kid, really nice person, loves speaking to Veronica. Um, and it's nice to see uh, her get these opportunities on on these cards in order to go and showcase that talent. I've no doubt that you're going to hear, whether, you're, uh, whether you've got the sound turned up or not, you'll definitely hear Dan Hardy screaming and shouting. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you remember it? Can you remember in London? We were, we were on the balcony, mate. We were miles away from the cage, miles away. And I'm like going, who is that? Who's shouting? And then it dawned on us, it's fucking Dan. Dan's, obviously, he's head coach, shouting the instructions. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant that uh, it's all coming together.
It was the game plan in London that nailed it. Oh, and don't get me wrong, Veronica had to execute the game plan. And it was a tough game plan because it was engaging with a jiu-jitsu player on the ground, going in and battering her with ground and pound and not being scared of her, snatching for arms, snatching for limbs, just getting in there and beating the living shit out of her. And that takes balls from Veronica to apply that type of a game plan against someone who's so incredibly dangerous. I'd like back. to point out, I'd like to point out that Dan Hardy's um, instructions wasn't just going batter the shit out of he was a little bit nuanced uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> with the but instruction that was the, that was that he the was given. <laughs> the jiu-jitsu player wants to be on a back, wants to be grabbing at your limbs. Your job is to engage in that moment and beat the crap out of her. And Veronica did that. She applied that game plan perfectly. And that's the first time for me I've seen Veronica not go in there like a Tasmanian devil and just be a just be a hard case and just be a talented yeah. fighter. She that's went fair. in there with a plan. Clever. And that's really exciting because you're like, okay, wow, this is... She's a thinking fighter now. She's got Dan Dan in her head. And again, she's the one doing it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Veronica. But just no, but she's learning. a little tweak with Dan has just brought her to this level. It's good that they've been in the US for a few weeks as well. I've seen they've been over at Henzo Gracie's in New York for at least a week or so. I like that. Get over there. Get acclimatized. Get rolling. Get mixing with a few other different sparring partners. Amazing. They've matched them with Jamie Lynn Horth, who's a Canadian fighter who's 6-0. and oh. Five finishes in six wins, you know. It's the UFC. Looks amazing. But also, Jamie Lynn's only points win was a debut in the UFC, which was earlier this year. I think this is a fight that Veronica can get on the front foot again. <clears throat> Take the fight to Jamie Lynn Horth. Get a big win. Start the Texas card off on Saturday night, just like she did in London. Yeah. Veronica set the tone, and everyone went berserk, and it was amazing, and we had a great night. I think she can kind of do the same thing here again in Texas. Whether you think it's because Dan's affiliation with PFL, why she's getting put on early cards, why she's getting matched with under, I couldn't give a damn about them narratives. All I care about is she's back, she's active, and they give her a good opponent here to look good against once again. Yeah, really looking forward to it, man. Uh, what I really liked about your rant there is uh, you've obviously got Wi-Fi problems at your house, mate, because the, the video just keeps like... Buffering, body locking, body locking. Yeah, am I? it does. It does look like you're body locking as you as you're giving it the uh, the big on the on, on the preview, which I love, and I'm sure people will uh, will gift that up later on. No doubt. Nice. Uh, listen, all set to be a cracker. Houston, Texas, the destination. Two um, big cards in uh, in Texas this weekend because Ryan Garcia is obviously at. Uh... Sorry, he's at Houston. This is Austin. This is in Austin, Texas. Sorry for confusing people. This is Austin, Texas. Uh, Ryan Garcia is in Houston, Texas. Yeah, so uh, the people of uh, people of uh, Houston getting a, a wee bit of a treat uh, this weekend. Uh, anyway, there you go. That's your uh, preview for this weekend's UFC. Great to be back in front of crowds. It's going to be noisy as fuck. Wonderful men event with Darius and Sarukian. Uh, and there's also uh, that fight that I I personally think it'll be uh, an absolute cracker between Font and Figueredo, as you've just said there. And I'm sure there's a lot of people uh, extremely excited about seeing that as well. Bobby Green's on the car for crying out loud, man. It'll be it'll be mental within itself. Uh, make sure you tune into all that and come back to us on Monday for a full review of the action. Um, we are available via our website, fightdisciples.com, if you want to get yourself a feed when it comes to audio. Or preferably, you could watch us on our YouTube channel. Like, share, subscribe to the channel. Uh, Fight Disciples is what you're looking for on YouTube and you'll never miss out on any of our stuff. There's interviews going up there all the time. And of course, we're going to be on the ground for UFC 296 uh, and getting you closer to the action. So the diaries will be back, kids. That's right. The Daily Diaries will be back and you're going to be want to be across all that action, won't you? 
thank you very much uh, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.